This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Catholic Disinfo Hour, celebrating its second year of weekly production. The Rundown is a collaborative Catholic news and opinion show endeavoring to expose and mock the Build Back Better New World Order in both civil society and the church. We've correctly predicted lockdowns, mandates, elections, and public frauds of all manner. Covidians hate us, normies try to ignore us, and fake news organizations wish they could be us. This is The Rundown. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com
This is the Rundown, your Friday night addiction, where the Fab Four are assembled to talk about the most important news from a Catholic perspective. Today, we're joined by Bug Hall, former Hollywood insider turned farmer. Thanks for joining us tonight, <laughs> Bug. <laughs> All right, we got so much to talk about. Did you guys know that this past week we had Martin Luther King Day? Martin Luther King. Um, but Martin Luther King was usurped this week by the usurper-in-chief because he was displaced by St. George Floyd. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's Mm -hmm. death did. Okay, (laughs) I have to go to you, James. James, Martin Luther King or or George Floyd? I don't know why. I just feel called to ask you. St. George Floyd. St. George Floyd, okay? <laughs> he was canonized. St. George terrible, Floyd was canonized. You're not allowed to a, oppose him. Right. What a terrible statement. Um, well, and, and not because because people know me for my unapologetic views about MLK in general, um, but that's besides the point here. This is uh, 20, uh, I guess, death of George Floyd was, what, 2019? Um you know, I mean, this is the most controversial uh, figure of, of that time because of the circumstances concerning uh, around his around his death. Uh, but we we've seen since come to uh, find out a little bit more unsavory things about this character. But yeah, for some for some reason, uh, the left is just so quick to brush all that aside and to canonize his actions, canonize what he stands for. And uh, it's just a shame that this is this ruse is carrying on for so long. Um, it, I, I can't, I, I mean, I can't permit this to go on without just sort of making a mockery of the whole thing. Uh, that's kind of how I see it. Allo- are we allowed to say the word fentanyl on, on YouTube? I don't know if that's an allowed word. I mean, not, not you four, but me, I'm sure I could get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a man of color too. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's yes. True. It's all uh, shades of shades of Brown on the, on the rundown. Um, yeah. I'm a terrible racist, aren't I? Church Melodian. Uh, okay. We have so much to talk about this week. Not, not only just Martin Luther King and uh, uh, we have four Biden clips we have to get through. Uh, Davos kicked off this week. If you don't know what Davos is, we're going to enlighten you on that. And we have like five videos about the indoctrination of children around the world. It's really sick stuff. Um, but our top story tonight, we have to get to. Let me see if I can if I can share it. Uh, there's a certain web blog called Regina Chaley, and they have gotten a lot of things right in the past. Uh, they correctly predicted uh, Tradiciones Custodas in uh, many of its um, current iterations. Here's oh, sorry, not Regina. Roticelli. Roticelli is here. Says, "Quote: Francis is very sick with cancer." including the pancreas brother martin do you think that's true i'm not a doctor i can't say for sure i didn't have examined him um but it, it definitely makes a lot of sense of how or to explain why things have been accelerating at the speed that they have been accelerating ever since his last surgery um what i've been hearing too from from my friends and sources etc is that this last surgery did scare a lot of people and that's why we've gotten traditional custodes and that's why um We've gotten Arthur Roach as the head of the Congregation for the Divine Worship, and soon we'll be having a new head of the CDF, uh, Archbishop Strakluna from Malta, um, who's done a lot of the investigations of sex abuse, uh, primarily with the Legionaries of Christ, and then also uh, uh, with Cardinal McCarrick. But 
Uh, it seems as Cardinal Villadari didn't fit the bill, didn't do what Francis would like to have done, either with women deaconesses or uh, with um, the, the same-sex blessings or whatever. And so it's time to um, put things in order and put Shakluna in to get the job done, to, to further the revolution, the pro- progressive revolution, the homo revolution. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, I, Bug Hall thoughts to the logic of it here's here's monsignor ferrari which is a stage name for an unknown monsignor who operates in the vatican and tweets on twitter he says quote roots rumors are that the documents are being prepared to push traditional priests and religious into the arms of the sspx holy Week will be crunch time for many do you think what brother martin says fits the description of a dying man who's desperately striking out against those rigid trads before he kicks the bucket you know, I don't. I don't think it makes any difference. I think. Uh, I think uh, Papa Franco is going to run his agenda regardless of whether he's dying or not. Um, I think it's. I think it's, it was the agenda from the start, right? So they know that they're limited in time, and they know that's always the case, right? So that they're going to get it done regardless of whether he's kicking the bucket soon or not. Uh, and when he does, they know that they're going to have a great shot of getting an even more radical pulp. In. So I don't think they're scared of anything. Yeah. Me not I help, by the way. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, Ryan, it seems like they're acting with impunity. It mm-hmm. seems like they don't care. Like this is a multi-generational, multi-papacy uh, agenda that's going on. So what's the rush? Francis II is going to do whatever Francis I didn't do, according to Bug. I think the rush is, frankly, coming from the world itself. It's being pushed from the outside because they observed of the last two years that the one group not going with along with uh, all the restrictions of the unnamed virus of unspecified origin and its uh, all its pomps and, and works has largely been traditional Catholics secondarily evangelicals and so the latter they'll get at the state level but the church is a bit harder of a nut to crack and they've been working on it as far as i'm concerned they've got their guy in there because whether or not uh francis has any particularly ulterior agenda to him about being pope he he absolutely serves the world everything Mm -hmm. he's done everything he's said everything that he does on a regular basis is pretty much aligned with the powers it shouldn't be and for increasing the power of government for increasing the tyranny all around and he's, he's continuing to push uh you know all this stuff in the vatican right now if you're an employee a long-serving employee in the vatican you don't have your green pass updated with the fauci ouchie or your brandon booster or whatever else uh is going on there you can't work uh, i can never again go to the vatican library uh where i've you know been, had uh, research privileges since 2016. Uh, unless or until this whole thing changes. So I think the pressure is really coming in from the outside. And we're at the point now where the the Vatican is pushing this thing harder than almost anybody else. And so I, I don't see that uh, this is merely a, a Francis thing. I think it is because everyone he's butting up with, hey, you got to do something about these traditional Catholics. Hey, you got to do something about your church. They're not even wearing the uh, face diapers. And I think that's what we're seeing rolling out. Because like I said in my, my New Year prediction, I, I don't, whether Francis really is dying or not, I think is immaterial. I, per, personally, I think they're just floating that out there to see what people are going to do. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're probably, I think you're probably right on that. James, I mean, to me, the way I see it, I, I don't, I don't buy the idea that, you know, look, traditional Catholics are 1% of the population of Catholics, right? 
So, you know, I don't know. It seems unlikely to me that you're going to judge the entire Catholic church by the 1% who aren't masking. It's like, you know, where I, where I live, where you live and whatever cities or Metro you guys live in, you might go to a church that's not masky, but no one knows. Like it's the one parish, it's one parish in an entire Metro area. Um, so, you know, to me, it seems like this is more of an internal thing than an external thing, but I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong, Ryan. I'm just saying, I, you know, it, it could be either both some combination. James, what do you think? No, I, I mean, I, I think you're right. Uh, this is the rare time you see me disagree with Ryan. Um, I think they, they have the – unlike the, the uh, saying of St. Athanasius, right, you know, it's like they can have the buildings, but, you know, we have the Catholic faith. But these people, they want to have the buildings. They don't care about having the Catholic faith, you know. Mm-hmm. So for them, the show of power, which they have, and someone like Francis, uh, you know, embodies uh, the, you know, the power that they're, they're looking for, that show of force. They don't care if you're under them and not abiding by whatever uh, dictates are, are out there. So he has the churches and they have him. And that's really all they're, they're worried about because they know ultimately a, a large percentage of people are going to go with uh, the uh, dictates out of Rome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, here, here's, a look, here's a look at your typical Bogus Oro church. I think Jesus um, transgenders himself on a number of occasions. Um, I, I think, you know, just, just a little phrase where Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem, longing to gather Jerusalem as a mother hen gathers her chicks. Um, I think if you look at um, the foot washing from John's Gospel, foot washing elsewhere in both Old and New Testament, that it's consistently done by, by women. And yet Jesus takes that on. People often cast that as being the servant's role. It was the woman's role. Uh, and, and Jesus does it and becomes the woman at that point. Okay, so the, the you know, when you totally fit I in the world, <laughs> I, I can't, I just can't. I, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, that wasn't, that wasn't Anglicans, that wasn't Anglicans. I, I, well, I don't, it looked like it was a panel, it looked like it was uh-huh. an ecumenical panel, at least that's how oh, it was boy. represented to me. If it's Anglicans, then well, that's that's where we're headed anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of oh, transgender, if, you, yes. if your children are watching, this is a parental advisory because you're about to see something that is just absolutely uh, unnatural. But it's a Matt Walsh clip that's been going around the Internet. And we'll go around the horn on this one. Bug, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on <laughs> how Matt Walsh performs in front of Dr. Phil against this, um, well, this creature. Mm-hmm. That's a question I would like to throw out to you know, other members of the panel. Actually, because just like the four-year-old can't answer what is a girl, well, this is one of the problems with this left-wing gender ideology is that no one who espouses it can even tell you what these words mean. It's like, what is a woman? Well, can you tell me what a woman is? No, I can't. Because but, it's not for me to say. I, womanhood looks different for everybody. What do, you, what do you define a woman as? An adult human female. And what does a female mean? Uh, well, well, that's how do you, how do you define a someone with, with female reproductive organs... Okay. Someone who's, you know, here's the thing. When you're, when you're female, it goes right down to your bones, your DNA. So that's why if someone dies, okay. we could dig up their bones 100 years from now. We have no idea what they believed in their head, but we can tell what sex they were okay. because it's, in, it's, down in, it's, it's ingrained in every fiber of their being. Interesting. So I'm trying to understand. Your definition is that a woman is someone who is female, you said, right? Correct. Gotcha. Is okay. a biological female. So what happens if we have maybe someone who is female identifies as a woman, right? You know, cisgender woman, right? As you explained, as you just explained, it maybe doesn't have the ability to reproduce. 
maybe it doesn't have those organs that you're talking about that are reproductive organs. I have answered the question. You stood up here and said trans women are women. Yes. Tell me what you mean. What is a woman? Womanhood is something that, just as Ethan explained, I cannot define because I am not but myself. But you used the well, word. So what did you mean when you said trans women are women if you don't know what it means? Right. So here's the thing. So I do not define what a woman is because I do not identify as a woman. Womanhood is something that is an umbrella term. It includes people that who... That describes what? People who identify as a woman. I identify as what? As a woman. What is that? Was to each their own. Each woman, each man, each person is going to have a different relation with their own gender identity and define it differently. And so trans women are women too. Okay. And you want to hold on. You want to reduce. Listen, listen. You want to reduce. You want to reduce women. You want to reduce men down to maybe just their genetics, our genitals, our chromosomes. Right. That's what you're saying. What you want to do is what you what you want to do is appropriate women. You want to appropriate womanhood okay. and turn it into basically a costume that could be worn. Wow. Uh, out, outside of just the shock and awe of what the hell that creature was that was on national TV, um, how do you think Matt Walsh did in, in that short segment? Uh, I mean, look, what can you do, right? At a certain point, uh, as as an old a friend of mine used to say, at a certain point, you have to just take someone behind the woodshed and uh, and, and smack them around. <laughs> if, if you can't agree on ontological principles. There's no point in even discussing it. So I guess I would say he looks like a fool, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's arguing with people who reject ontological principles. He's wasting time. And and secondly, I'll say that uh, man, that was a lot of beards that made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Is one who wears beers himself, right? Um, this is the this is the logical conclusion of radical gender ideology. It's 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 all fluid. It, and I think his last comment was the best comment, James, when he said, "You want to appropriate womanhood and turn it into a costume that you just wear." Um, and that's exactly right. Yeah. And that's what they're that's what they're doing. But we don't see this happening in like conservative countries, Eastern Europe, in Africa. We only see it happening in the West. Why? Yeah, well, you know, for the for the longest time, you know, we've been when I say we, uh, I've been here for uh, decades. You know, uh, we've become a society that is largely accepting of any kind of uh, identification out there that people bring into their into their minds. So the idea that uh, someone thinks, oh, you know, um, I really want so badly to become this or that, you know, that we can champion that as uh, as, as a true as a true right of uh, of a person, whether or not it's natural. Or not, you know, we've come away from that idea of pronouncing what natural rights are. You know, yeah. it's like Bunker just saying this ontological uh, idea that people can't even conceive. You know, of course they're going to have a problem with going to, to fitting themselves into into a box. You know, and that's a, that's our problem. And in, in other countries, in other uh, co- continents, it's a lot. It's a lot more. Uh, uh, probable that you walk out into the street dressed like that, you might get you might get physically assaulted. You know. Um, and uh, people would, would you, people would have the right to do so because you're creating a problem which is uh, you know an aberration of reality. And so this and that's what it, I, and that's what yeah. I think it that's what I think it comes down to. This and many other problems is a lack of shame. Right. There's and and right. it's and and there's two aspects to it. There's the person who's committing the grave sin who who feels no shame, mm-hmm. and then the fact of the matter is that we don't shame anybody anymore, Ryan. 
And this is something that we used to do, like, you know, as, as, as part of our culture to, as part of the glue to the culture is you would shame people, you know, uh, you would, the, the scarlet letter, right? If you right. were an adulterer, you would wear the brand and everyone would know what you had done. Um, and that, that has a deterring effect on other people. And it has a, um, a reforming effect on the person being shamed. But now people are, people are shameless, they shamelessly mm-hmm. sin. And how did mm-hmm. we get here? The only shame in society right now is having right and logical opinions or is following divine and natural law or acknowledging a scientific fact such as that a man is a man, a woman is a woman, um, Peter Parker is Spider-Man, not Miles Morales. Um, <laughs> you go to all these different types. The last bit's just a joke. Um the reality is that's the only thing that's not allowed stating what's actually true stating what is the reality of almost anything um all of that is forbidden that's the only thing that's allowed to be shamed it's the very fulfillment of that line of saint anthony of the desert when he says the day will come when men will be mad and then they will look at somebody who is sane and they say look he's not mad like us let's kill him right and because that's ultimately what happens with these things and you've already seen that um, you see the left, uh, 50% of Democrats want to see COVID internment camps, right? Um, you see the, the, the hate against parents who are fighting the trans agenda in schools. Hate against parents because uh, they don't want teachers exposing their children to drag queen story out and things of this sort. So all around, that it's, it's like foul is fair and fair is foul. Right, you know, and and that's what we're seeing in almost every level of the trans uh, agenda, which nobody wanted, nobody asked for, and the media projected because it's all being, you know, more or less determined from above. Uh, speaking of children, uh, they don't even want you pretending to have any authority over your children at all. Here's MSNBC on the matter. We have never invested as much in public education as we should have because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Once it's everybody's responsibility and not just the households, then we start making better investments. Wow. All right, Bug. So, uh, children, do you do you own your children, or does uh, does it take a village? Uh, I think the simple answer for that, <laughs> the simple answer for that is uh, send someone to my house to find out who's. <laughs> um, you know, I, think I love that. A, I think there's I have a friend named another one named Weston. F around and find out. <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Ryan says he's got two friends named Smith and Wesson. Uh, <laughs> much closer to my children than uh, the government will ever be. In a real sense, we don't own our children as if they were chattel or as if they were property. Um, but in another sense, we do, as in they are our progeny, and it's our, which gives us a responsibility, actually, a very sacred responsibility to raise them up to raise them to be children of God, to give them good morals. And even outside of any religious question, just for any functioning society to survive, you have to hand them on to the tradition and the the way in which your society functions and operates so they can take their part in that. But it is your responsibility as a parent, and you have an ownership of that responsibility vis your kids. The government, the state, does not 
have such a relationship with respect to your kids. The state has one of these things that, it, for those who postulate the existence of the state, <clears throat> uh, let's just go with classical, you know, Catholic teaching on this, is that the state is is basically there as like a, a guardrail, more or less, to stop, you know, mm -hmm. check against really bad evils, and otherwise just, you know, just ensuring that natural law is being observed in society so that, you know, children can be raised and families can acquire the means necessary to educate children and propagate society. That's the job of the state. But once you get rid of religion, once you have separation of church and state, the state becomes the church. And that's where we're at now. And it needs and because the family is that stumbling block for the state and for all the would-be communists that are occupying every department of education office and every school board. That's the next thing that has to be destroyed. And thereafter, the age of consent. And thereafter, you know, we, we go on yeah. and on. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I, I'm sure many uh, many out there in, in the rundown villa are aware of this, and certainly all of you. But those famous eight words, a, separate, a wall of separation of, of, uh, between church and state, were first uttered in a letter from Thomas Jefferson, third president of the United States, uh, in 1802 to some Baptists in Danbury, in which he was guaranteeing to that group in Danbury that there would be a wall of separation between church and state insofar as the state would not encroach upon the powers of the church, that the church had a preeminent place in American society. It wasn't until 1947 in the Everson case in the United States Supreme Court, those nine robed jurists that rule over our lives tyrannically, we don't elect them, can't get rid of them, can't do anything about it, uh, in which they inverted the uh, meaning of those words and they reinterpreted Jefferson's letter to mean that the wall of separation was meant to protect the state from encroachment of the church. Brother Martin, separation of church and state is a heresy. Um, pluralist society, uh, tolerant society is something that the church has long mocked throughout its centuries of Christendom. What happened in the 40s, 50s, and ultimately the 60s ecclesiastically? Well, first, I'd also like to mention that uh, in the Federalist Papers, I Actually, Alexander Hamilton also mentions the fact that liberalism as a political theory by itself uh, requires there to be some sort of moral principle to back it up. It's not sufficient enough that people make social contracts um, to deal publicly with each other, but they need some sort of mor moral foundation. And so there was absolutely need for, for churches, for religions to, to, to be that moral foundation for this political society. Um, and so there, that separation of church and state, in a sense, was, was precisely that, was, was to keep the state from imposing its will upon, upon religion, upon the churches. Um, what happened in the 50s and 60s, I mean, the, the sexual revolution definitely uh, hit, hit the church hard and hit the society hard. Um, I'm not exactly sure if you can pinpoint one, one particular thing. I mean, we had the modernist movement coming from the 20s and 30s and 40s and ultimately the Second Vatican Council um, that, that tried to paint the church or, or, or reform the church in a way that it was more pleasing to a secular society that would be, um, I don't know, be like a, a spoonful of sugar or whatever, something more, something more palatable uh, to all these secularists, um, watering our faith down so that they could accept it, so that I guess we could, we could dialogue more with, with secularists. Um, and it's been a complete and total failure. Um, we have to be who we are. Um, one of the things going back uh, to, to the Matt Walsh's video is the fact that um, I mean, in America, especially the, the first principles of society aren't philosophy. It isn't wisdom. It isn't seeing in the first principles. It's, it's, our, it's our constitution. You talk about natural law to anybody. They have no idea what natural law even means or how to define it. It's just 
it's just the rights that are governed by the constitution or given to you by the constitution. And that's where your rights begin, not from being human, not from God, uh, not from philosophy, but simply the, what a few people wrote in the 1700s. Um, and so that's one of our problems in, in, in having conversations with people that are, have long hair, earrings and beards is the fact that we don't even have the same starting point. And St. Thomas Aquinas, even when, when he was talking about uh, having conversations with people that believe differently, we have to find some sort of starting point. And, that, and that's ultimately the problem is that we've completely – it used to be philosophy. Now it's not even that. We, we have nothing left. There's nothing left. I think you're, you're muted, Mike. When people believe, sorry, excuse me, uh, that their rights come from government, then this happens. We can return to Plan A in England and allow Plan B regulations to expire. As a result, from the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. Organisations can, of course, choose to use the NHS COVID pass voluntarily, but we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. And people should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office. And having looked at the data carefully, the Cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. Mr Speaker... Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker from, from, tomorrow, from tomorrow, we will no longer require face masks in classrooms, and the Department, and the Department for Education will shortly remove national guidance uh, on their use in communal areas. In the country at large, we will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces, particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet. Ryan, uh, do you believe the idea that he carefully studied the data and made a data-based decision about ending the lockdowns and the face coverings? <laughs> Not for a second, honestly. But just taking at face value, if that's even true, you have other, other countries that are uh, cracking down even harder, other crown countries such as Australia. But then you also have... Um, Italy and Austria, which are cracking down uh, even even more now in the face of massive public, uh, you know, basically complete disobedience in, in ignoring the law. People are still continuing to do, completely do what they were doing anyway. So Austria, I don't know about so much, but Italy, I do know that's the case. So what, what's, what's up here? Here's my take on it. I said this somewhere else recently. Uh, this is like another stage of gaslighting. And so what we're actually seeing is Bo- Bojo is going to come out there, make this big thing, and everyone's going to say, yay, we're free. And finally, they're going to they're gonna go about, uh, like, whew, we, we got through that one. Then the next scariant is going to come in, or uh, some, some case-demic of fake, phony, false positives from these, these tests that don't actually tell you anything more than you got cold, or, um, you know, some other stupid thing, or the next Bill Gates promised... Uh, um, unnamed virus of unspecified origin that gets out of Fort Detrick. So whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. it's going to come down and then it's like, look, see, we need all these restrictions right back in lockdowns again. And then, all right. Start, and it's almost like a Simon says too. All right, everyone lockdown, shelter in place, except us. No mm-hmm. acknowledgement of that. No acknowledgement that, that all the politicians in England 
did exactly what they told everyone not to do, right? That's number one. Number two, when they come down with all this, this thing, it, it's creating this idea. Simon says, government says, take your masks off. Don't worry about the pass. Oh, Simon says, get your pass out. Get your masks back on. <laughs> and, and, and that's without any acknowledgement that, hey, look, government actually doesn't have the right to dictate my healthcare choices. And that's the issue that's going on here. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Um, Bojo, by the way, uh, <laughs> he's recovering from a huge scandal because, well, no one actually told him that you you weren't allowed to go to these massive uh, cocktail parties that he went to. We can return to plan A in a categorically that nobody told me and nobody, nobody said that uh, this was something that was against the rules, that was a breach of the, of the COVID rules, that we were doing something that wasn't a a work event because, uh, frankly, I don't think, uh, I can't imagine why on earth it would have gone ahead or why it would have been allowed uh, to go ahead. The guy that makes the rules. I don't need to see his lips to know he's lying. (laughs) (laughs) The guy that makes the rules, Bug. He makes the rules about lockdowns and gatherings and how many people you can Nobody told me that I was breaking my own rules, which I am imposing upon all of you people. That's the number one rule in, in society, isn't it? Is uh, shove responsibility off to anyone other than yourself. That's mm-hmm. that's the society we live in, right? I'm, you know, if I want to call myself a woman, well, it's your responsibility to explain to me why I'm not. And uh, if I don't like your terminology, I'm going to make it up. Uh, <laughs> if I don't follow the COVID l- rules that I made, well, you know what? Maybe it wasn't my fault. Maybe someone should have stepped in and said something to me. Um, yeah. before it happened rather than after because now you just look like you're a bunch of meanie, meanie chase me down uh, trying to prove me wrong kind of people. If you really cared, you would have been there right next to me and telling me, hey, this is against the rules you made. Um, but that's, that's so mean and direct, Bug. I mean, you, why would you confront someone and tell them that they're in error? I mean, that, have some charity. <laughs> you know what? Ultimately... The reason they're so cavalier about it is because they've got us right where they want us, right? And That's Ryan, exactly right. except I would take it one further and say none of this ever had anything to do with viruses or or any of that. That was never the point. The point was, can the government create an infrastructure? Because uh, it's Pandora's box always with government. Once you create an infrastructure, it never goes away, right? And they can repurpose that any which way they want. If they want to start getting, you know getting crazy about global warming or any other uh, topic, they've got the infrastructure in place. They've got the digital passes now that they can say, you're a, you, you're, you have your carbon pass. It all filters through the same thing. This was a test run and it didn't have to just be about viruses because the infrastructure is multi-purpose. That's yeah. exactly right. And, 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 uh, per- it's, yes. like what, it's like what uh, Ronald Reagan said, James, yeah. if you want to create eternal life on earth, Start a government program. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. What what Bug has said is actually very, very uh, straight to the point. Is they, they have spent a couple of years creating this massive infrastructure that you are, you know, anyone else out there never really envisioned. So to people who are still kind of waking up, they're thinking, well, you know, we're, we're getting a reprieve from uh, the d- disastrous mandates that have been running around, but it really is all these companies have gathered a lot of information. They've built infrastructure around what is going to be happening in the future, you know? So this slow reprieve, it's like, well, you're being tortured. You're uh, in the 16th century England, you know, they've taken, they've 
pull out pull out your nails, right? And mm-hmm. you're thinking the whole torture is over, but then they're getting ready to draw and quarter you, right? So the three minutes of reprieve that you're feeling is not actually the end of it. There's a lot more to come. Now they've they've studied your pain threshold and everything else that they need to know in order so that you are going to do exactly what they want you to do down the line. Yeah. I think that's what's happening here. I think it's it's a massive Stockholm syndrome. And various countries use different pilot systems, right, to test to test what types of people are going to be more susceptible to what types of infrastructure. How far can we press these people? Okay, they're pushing back now. Let's roll it a little bit this way. It was all a test. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Boris uh, Bojo is one global leader who's probably attending Davos. If you haven't heard of Davos, it's a um, it's a meeting of the minds between the banksters, uh, the power centers, and the people behind uh, the power structures uh, around the world. And uh, it's all headed by the World Economic Forum. And this ghoulish, I would say just cartoon character villain uh, is the head of it. Here's him opening up the ceremony. And you're not going to believe who he first invites to speak on the future of the globe. Pivot the moment. I see several priorities for the global agenda. We must continue to fight against the global pandemic. We must revitalize the global economy and accelerate its transition to net zero. We must preserve biodiversity by deploying nature-based solutions and we must narrow the gap between the rich and the poor to achieve more sustainable global development. With these goals in mind, it is my distinct honor and great privilege to introduce His Excellency Xi Jinping, President of the People's Republic of China, to open the Davos agenda. When he honestly, honestly, when he said his excellency, I was, I was literally expect. I was like, oh, any bishop in the United States would would open this thing. I mean, any one of his excellency, you know, Cardinal Supich. Why don't you open up? Davos? I'd be like, yeah, of course, that makes sense. Da- oh, yeah, whatever. I didn't realize that the uh, communist uh, leader goes by his excellency, Brother Martin. That's a great title for him. <laughs> I would actually would have uh, expected my lord or something like along those lines. <laughs> his eminence. <laughs> holy uh, father. I'm surprised he doesn't go by his holiness. Well, didn't the Japanese uh, emperor used to go by something like that? His, uh, he, was, he was a divine creature. Uh, so there's actually, so there's this Dutch politician, newly elected, Firebrand, who is questioning Davos and questioning Carl Schwab uh, himself Uh Watch the subtitles. This is the Heer Klaus Schwab, oprichter and voorzitter van het World Economic Forum. And he has also a book geschreven met als pakkende titel COVID-19, The Great Reset. And my question aan the demissionaire minister-president is, how beoordeelt he the inhoud van this book? The minister-president. I ken het book niet voorzitter. Maar ik zou liever meiden willen adviseren om niet al te veel in al die conspiracy theorieën. Ik, ik kijk ze ook allemaal op YouTube. Ik vind het fascinerend hoe dan uitgelegd wordt dat 9-11 niet heeft plaatsgevonden of dat het allemaal anders zit. Ontzettend knap in elkaar gezet. Maar het is meestal wat het is, een conspiracy theorie. De heer Van Meijeren. Nou, het verbaast mij dat de eerste vraag die ik aan de heer Rutte stel sinds ik beëdigd ben als Kamerlid direct wordt beantwoord. Dank u wel, maar het 
verbaast mij dat die eerste vraag direct wordt beantwoord met een leugen. Ik heb namelijk een brief in mijn hand die dateert van 26 november 2020. En dat is een brief van de heer Rutte aan de heer Klaus Schwab, waarin hij de heer Schwab bedankt voor het toezenden van zijn ja. boek. En dit noemt een hoopvolle analyse voor een betere toekomst. Zou de heer Rutte nog even kunnen graven in zijn geheugen? Het is nog geen half jaar geleden, dus ik weet niet hoe lang uw herinneringen actief blijven. Maar waarschijnlijk is dit nog wel ergens op te graven. En mijn eerste vraag opnieuw te beantwoorden en nu eerlijk, alstublieft. Nou, het eerlijke antwoord is dat dat een, een, een nette brief is. Waarin je uh, helaas niet alle boeken die je toegestuurd krijgt van kat tot kat kunt lezen. Maar wel degene die je toestuurt een vriendelijke brief wil terugsturen. Nou, dan zegt de heer Rutte dus eigenlijk dat hij niet heeft gelogen tegen mij, maar tegen de heer Klaus Schwab. Ik, ik, ik was maar laat ik dan hier direct alsnog de vraag stellen. De heer Klaus Schwab die pleit in zijn boek voor het resetten van onze wereld. Om onze nationale parlementaire democratie te vervangen door een globale technocratie. Hij pleit ervoor dat er een einde komt aan privébezit. En de heer Rutte is er kennelijk niet eens van bewust dat hij dit een hoopvolle boodschap voor een betere toekomst heeft genoemd. Hoe is het mogelijk dat de heer Rutte een waardeoordeel hecht aan een boek met een neocommunistische boodschap, terwijl hij dat boek niet eens gelezen heeft? Dank u wel. De minister-president. Can you imagine? Okay, so so the only thing I can comp that to in recent memory in the United States of somebody having the courage to ask uh, their usurper in chief a question like that is where do oh I know I have it oh okay watch this question uh, uh, the usurper in chief fake Catholic Joe Biden gave his ninth press conference in a year to this point Obama had done twenty seven Trump had done twenty two. Uh, and presidents before then had done 30s and 40s. This is the ninth time he appears before uh, before the press. And somebody in the United States actually has the courage to ask this question. Yes. Thank you very much for this honor. James Rosen with Newsmax. I'd like to, um, I'd like to raise a delicate subject, uh, but with utmost respect for your life accomplishments and the high office you hold. A poll released this morning by Politico Morning Consult, found 49% of registered voters disagreeing with the statement, Joe Biden is mentally fit. Wow. Not even a majority of Democrats who responded uh, strongly affirmed that statement. Well, I'll let you all make the judgment whether they're correct. Well, Thank so you. the question I have for you, sir, if you'd let me finish, is why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness. All right, it wasn't as good as the Dutch guy. It wasn't as, you know, in your face. But it's something, right? It's something. Nobody hey, dude, that. Why do people think that you're over the hill? <laughs> um, my question though ryan i think you of, of the five of us you probably know the most about the davos uh summit and and gatherings why doesn't the u.s president attend these things does he just send his like little emissaries does he send somebody that's his representative i mean because you never see him going but but ultimately you know that he's part of the process of decision making mm -hmm. for you know how how we're all supposed to live in the pod and eat the bugs 
Well, I think they learned the lesson of uh, the Versailles Conference in World War One, when uh, Wilson was sending uh, diktats through Car uh, Colonel House and people in, in Clemenceau and um, Lloyd George, whatnot, sitting at Versailles, are getting these things from the American president. He's someone over there, this ethereal body with mm -hmm. this real power that is kind of in the shadows. But once w uh, Wilson showed up at Versailles, he had to handle everything himself. They realized the guy was a dope. And they just kind of worked their way around him to get what they wanted out of that process. So uh, American presidents have learned that there's a, there's a certain, especially for things like this, you want to give the diktats, you want to give it through through others as best you can. And especially when you see somebody like Biden, the very last thing you need is for him talking to anybody. Uh, you don't want anyone to come to a realization of the fact that the American government is being controlled and dictated by people behind the scenes because this guy is so non mentees, there's no way he's doing it. Um, as far as Davos and the World Economic Forum in general, I mean, let, let's just look at, there's so much, think of Bilderberg, the Bilderberg meetings, mm -hmm. right? And, and years, for years, that's crazy conspiracy theory. Is Don't that the one where they all dress up as like birds? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, but it is a big meeting of business, NGOs, government bodies, government officials that, that meet in secret because in the U.S. it's illegal because of the Logan Act, although they've all done it anyway. Nobody ever gets prosecuted for it. Mm. But um, so the Bilderberg was kind of the big focus of all this stuff where everyone would come together. The Davos and the, the G7, the G8, the World Economic Forum, all these bodies, it's all the same type of stuff. They're just more layers and more layers and more layers where the lower level people kind of come together. They, they make discussions. There's compromises met. But there's also decisions coming in from above, from afar. And when you look at Klaus Schwab, apart from the fact that he's a Saturday morning cartoon villain, practically, he's a Bond villain, um, beside any of that stuff, you look at his books that came out right away, immediately, as soon as lockdown started, as soon as the, the uh, unspecified virus of unspecified origin became the dominant thing in the media, his mm -hmm. books show up. And when you look at each and every one of their books, as his books, they're all co-authored, every single one. That tells me, that it, always by somebody different, that tells me that Schwab is just the face of this thing, because he's been running the WEF for so long. And in the in reality, it's, they're giving it to staffers to write the stuff that are dictating the policies they want to see or that various NGOs and, and, and businesses have already decided upon. And they're putting that stuff out there. And again, it, it, it's a lot like uh, our entire electoral process or like the Wizard, you know, the wizard of Oz. Don't, don't look at that man behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet, you know, because that's the thing. You look at this guy instead. And you look at our political process, we, you get your five minutes of hate, you know, like, like Orwell you know, wrote about, for this guy or that guy or for this world leader over here, right? And never looking at who might really be kind of controlling the levers of power from the background. And that's the problem. And then it's conspiracy theory, just like you said in the Dutch representative, the, the mm -hmm. guys trying to lay it all off, conspiracy theory. Um, you have, uh, I can't remember his first name, Horani. Someone linked something about him in our rundown telegram, actually, where Harani is talking about, uh, in a world, he's basically addressing the most powerful people in the world and telling them to work for the same agenda we're seeing rolled out now, for the technocratic agenda. And he's saying, but avoid yeah. baseless conspiracy theories. As he's sitting here telling all these people who actually have real power mm. to conspire together to bring in a technocratic communist society. But no, it's conspiracy theory, even though we're literally doing the conspiracy on camera. 
Yeah. And James, you're commenting in the chat about the Bohemian Grove. I, I guess that's oh, the one man. I was thinking of where they were the birthday. What what was it that Nixon said about it? I don't I'm not familiar with this. The, uh, <laughs> the thing he ever saw. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for oh, really? healing me out there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so he saw that's it. A direct Nixon quote YouTube censor. That's not oh. anything I put out to put hate on anybody. Oh no, 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 it is. Yeah, that is exactly 100% what Nixon said. And Ryan just quoted it ex exactly. It's not anything but exactly what Nixon said. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's do a quick discussion about all of this. Because what we're witnessing in the world right now, uh, Ireland just uh, opened back up. No, no passports, no mandates, no uh, lockdowns. Uh, Great Britain has opened back up. Uh, as you said, Ryan, um, Austria is tightening down. They, they have a vaccine mandate on all people. Uh, Italy is tightening down. Anyone 65 and above must get the jab. Various parts of Europe are tackling this differently. It looks like the Germans are trying to tighten down, but the courts are slowing it down, which is similar to what's happening in the, these United States. My question, and we'll go around the horn, I'll start with you, Bug, is... Do we think that the narrative is collapsing? Are we witnessing that the people are finally crushing the uh, COVID uh, anti-religion? Is it is it is is it revealing itself as as a farce that it has always been, or is this just the next step in the script that is supposed to be confusing? And some people do this, and other people do this, and meanwhile, while there's mass confusion and everyone's looking at it, something else sneaks in. Stupid people always think that the enemy is stupid uh, because they can only imagine that that enemy is is just a little bit dumber than they are. And so the problem is, is the it's it's a very common tactic of war, tactic of, of conspiracy to show a certain amount and then pull a certain amount back to push a little bit, pull it back. I mean, this is just the nature of all things. Right. Uh, Machiavelli talked about it uh, uh, repeatedly. So the problem is you get all these people that they hyper-focus on the one thing, right? Right now it's the, the thing that, that uh, makes you sick that we can't talk about, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's the one thing. The stupid people hyper-focus so much on that that when it starts to roll back, the infrastructure behind it, the, the, the megalith, the monster, they don't even see it, right? Because their eyes are crossed on, on the thing and they go... It's gone. The, the, the beast has subsided into the ocean and we're free, guys. Meanwhile, you know, Godzilla's towering over them and, and they're too close to see him. Uh, James, do you agree with Bog or do you think that we're, we're successfully pushing back, that we're winning, uh, that these mass demonstrations are having a, an effect in places like in Europe? Well, I'm 100% I'm in agreement with uh, Bug, and that's what I think um we, we we ought to unfortunately that's what we ought to be expecting you know because we've been through this now what almost two years and uh this has been the mo is you you give you take you give a little you take you give a little uh but right now by right now i think people should be accustomed to to uh expecting something worse coming you know and uh the agenda is not it's far from being finished there's something more dire more diabolical uh um, in the wings and we don't know exactly what that is i know uh people are speculating it'll have to do with currency 
you know, but it could be that. It could be something much more. It could be this. I mean, why are they bringing uh, Xi Jinping out now? Oh, by the way, he's led in this whole idea of social uh, credit. You know, so this is going to be the new wave going forward. You know, let's mm-hmm. have him front and center at Davos so that we can all learn from his lordship, excellency, or whatever it is he, he's being called. <laughs> yeah. Didn't the right. Federal Reserve just start pushing the idea of digital currency? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this week. Yeah, I mean, it seems, please, it go seems ahead. to me that yeah. that's, that's exactly it, right? Like yeah. this, this thing that makes you sick that we can't talk about, yeah. um, it, they don't care about this. Like well, the, I, I, I think the digital currency is the next step, Bug. I, I think I think absolute control over over how we buy and sell in our commerce is, is the next step, Bug and Jack. And guess what? Guess what we've just done? We've just we've just run a, a pilot run in various countries where in some of the Nordic countries, people are actually chipping themselves, voluntarily chipping themselves because it's easier than carrying your phone around for the Vax Pass. Right. Um, we're seeing, you know, how the elderly is handling that in certain places who don't have uh, the technology yet. This was a pilot run to figure out how does digital currency make it uh, into the general population and get used. You're you're exactly right. I mean, it first of all started with, well, you know, here is a, a credit card. Oh, by the way, you always look in your credit card. You know, why don't you put it in your phone? Oh, your phone makes it a little bit more convenient. Oh, bummer. Your phone keeps dying. You know, uh, the, the, the battery's gone dead. You know, what's the next logical thing? Well, you know what? We can put it in your skin and this will just, it'll be there activated all the time and you can have access to it. It doesn't ever die, you know? And so people are being conditioned to accept these new uh, ways of thinking about currency, ways to think about buying, selling, to, to experience trade. And this is something that uh, we, we could have sat back in our seats maybe 10 years ago and we could have been laughed off the stage if we even ever thought of having a serious discussion about this it was just something that could never be conceived but here we are the little jump the, the literal jump from 2019 to 2022 i think uh speaks volumes as to you know how uh the you know how, how the evil one works you know in the bodies of governments that are around the world and what they're perpetrating behind the scenes that we we don't even know yet Right. So they unroll they unroll these things out when they need to unroll it. And for us, it, what might catch us by shock has always been in the works behind the scenes. Uh, and that's what people are finding out now is, you know, uh, this is just something that that we're going to have to uh, deal with when, when it comes. <laughs> this is what this is. This part of what you said is 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 the part that blows my mind. Because I saw a tweet today, and I wish I had thought of it because it's been percolating, but someone put words to it. I sincerely believe that there is a huge segment of the population that does not want COVID to end. They do not want the economy to open. They do not want a return to normal. There's a significant portion of the population. And it's not necessarily because they're benefiting in some way. It's not just because you're getting your stimmy checks, you know, your Biden and Trump bailout money. It's not just because you've learned to code and you're, and you're working remote or whatever. It's, it's because they're afraid to go back into the marketplace and compete and work for a living and do all the things that they had been doing before they, everyone is just sort of like growing accustomed to someone else that like the idea of safety of someone else taking care of them, Ryan. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know that, I don't know that even when in some countries like Ireland, for example, they're going to open back up 
but people are still going to wear a mask. People are going to still social distance. People are going to take the jab because they're just accustomed to it and they just want it for some reason. And I'm not picking on the Irish. This is just something that I've been told by many people who are there. This is what's happening there. There is a there's a lot of people who are just going to go along and continue to do exactly what they've been doing this entire time. And similarly, um, you know, businesses that will still enforce the, the, the mask, they might even still enforce the jab for all we know. But uh, I wanted to do something as we were just talking about fiat currency and the Federal Reserve and whatnot. Um, a lot of this stuff that relating to these issues has been seeded back a long time. And so I wanted to do this. I'm going to share my screen. I'm going to show a video as some people might remember this. This, this is from a long time I ago. Know, I don't know if I should give you these, uh, these privileges. I don't know if this is going to be the end of RTF. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it'll be good. Um, so, all right, here we go. Trust me, this will be good. Ryan, there's no sound. I don't know how to turn the sound on on this thing. Oh, it should be going. Oh, really? Oh, let's try it again. Okay, hold on. Uh, maybe there's some other setting. Yeah, let me put it back. This is what happens. This is what happens when you try to do fun, fancy things live. I know. Are we ready to try again? Yeah, try it again. All right. How are we doing now? Nope. No sound. No sound? All right, I'll just summarize then. Let me put the screen. <laughs> Wait, can you do the voices while it's playing? Yeah, yeah, just narrate it. Just narrate it for us. <laughs> I'm going to do that. It's, it's, it's G.I. Joe, 1980s. And it's an episode where Cobra Commander is trying to take over the world by uh, creating this device that will destroy all of your cash. And then he declares the incompetence of your world leaders has left you where you have no cash. That shall work. So now you're going to have to embrace these alternative means. And so then the government responds by, you know, of course, we've got to stop them. Any means, we've got to keep this thing going. And then the, the, the Joes are saying, well, wait a minute, isn't she making a little bit of sense here? <laughs> they have to put a wash on it. Um, and so it's, uh, it's one of those really fascinating uh, evidences of, you know, government manipulation, even in media to seed certain ideas into the consciousness, to see now who's the one pointing out the fallacy of fiat currency. It's, it's Cobra Commander. It's the international terrorist that is Cobra that's pointing out why your, your currency is bad, why you need to, to move to something more you know stock is stable like gold and silver, which at the time in the cartoon, Cobra commands quite a bit of that. So, uh, so putting it out, yeah, questioning fiat currency, that's a mark of terrorism. We've already got that down in the 80s using, you know, the, the means of kids' cartoons mm -hmm. to seed mm -hmm. that out into the narrative. You know, I want to bring Bug in on this discussion because the idea, the idea, Bug, that, uh, that big media, let's say, entertainment, I won't say the H word, do, in fact, seed or preview or uh, foreshadow um technologies 
or trends to come and try to normalize them. You worked in that business for a long time. Did you ever see that happen? I mean, uh, well, you know, at least in the eighties, the propaganda was cool. You know, it's like all currency and cloak and dagger. Now it's like, Hey kids, you can, you know, take some testosterone or whatever and, and be a different gender. Hey, um, boy, we, we've, we've fallen far, haven't we? Um, but yeah, no. So that was a, that was a daily struggle in my old business. Uh, every meeting I walked into, there was some, some sort of propaganda mouthpiece uh, talking about what needed to be pushed across this or what type of diversity hires needed to be hired. Um, and by the way, they've fallen so far that diversity hire isn't even a, a race issue anymore. That's just gone from the mindset. Now it's entirely uh, gender ideology, right? Um, so, you know, I mean, it's it, that's just a daily thing for me, I, which is funny because talking about it now, it's 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 even weirder because I've been retired now for about two years and just feeding cows. And I, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> if there are any normal people out there in that business still. I don't I can't remember anymore how they're able to function. I agree. Although, it certainly must be tough. I mean, but but I, I think about movies like, you know, Men in Black. Men in Black, I think, is a perfect example you know, they're talking about, um, you know, alien invasions. They're talking about top secret government programs, uh, technologies that we, uh, you know, supposedly inherited from, from extraterrestrials, whatever. They're trying to normalize this idea that I think is going to, is, is going to come soon, which mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, humanity, we all need to unite under one global government because, you know, there's this existential threat to, to planet Earth and it's another intelligence. And, you know what I mean? And um, I don't know how everyone here on the rundown feels about aliens, but they're, they're just demons, demons of the air, right, James? They're just demons of the air. Absolutely. And I keep, uh, you know, I, that's the hill on which I'll die is, uh, you know, people, yeah, well, let's laugh about the idea of, you know, aliens from different planets or whatever, but let's not laugh about the idea that, uh, you know, the demon really wants to make his presence known and wants to offer so much to man. It's and were to serve him alone, yeah. him alone. And so uh, demons take the appearance, uh, however form you can imagine, and they bequeath to us so much knowledge, so much uh, knowledge about things that we don't know about that, you know, perhaps uh, it takes a certain enlightenment uh, from, from dark forces to see, you know. So man uh, is able to thread these, these things. And so we have technology and the technology boom and lots of... Uh, booming in, in that in that industry you know so mm -hmm. we're living in the world now where we're thinking of implanting things into the human body we're thinking of uh creating artificial intelligence you know we're, we're, we're thinking of now where i guess we're, we're past the idea now in the 60s let's let's uh first of all let's inseminate you know this woman uh and show that man is not necessary in this process and now we're saying let's clone animals and whether or not we are past that stage of cloning human beings, per se, uh, we're not going to know now. Obviously, my my theory is it's already it's already happening. Um, you know, but, but this is just the way in which uh, you know the devil manifests his presence. 
is through uh, the use of, of man. Man allows his faculties to be darkened, and then the devil uses him for his wins. And it's very dark, but this is kind of where we are. And so the Hollywood gives us, you know, uh, the grand idea of aliens being out there. In a sense, it's true, you know, but what's going to be happening is uh, they're looking for people to, you find, you know, people always have, uh, you know, uh, Discovery Channel, History Channel, whatever. Oh, you know, I got abducted by the aliens and they wired this person up. And it seems like the person has indeed some sort of thought or memory of something happening, but maybe perhaps it was just an encounter with uh, a demon. You know, so mm-hmm. that's the perspective I, I take. And our lady of, uh, has mentioned something like this. I believe, um, uh, Ryan, I'm going to call you here. I, I think you, uh, the our lady of, um, oh, I'm sorry, the uh, 18 in France, 1870. You mean uh, La Salette? La Salette, yeah. She talks about she talks about demons um, in the in the air. You know. Um, Oh shoot! I don't have that quote directly here, but I don't know if you do. But uh, basically, the idea quote, of technology, uh, yeah, right. Traditionally, amongst the amongst the fathers, demons of the air referred to uh, basically certain demons that uh, Tertullian talks about them a little bit. Certain early church fathers do that control uh, that will uh, make a mess of weather if God allows them to. That'll cause problems, major uh, disruptions that you know, which the Roman ritual is actually designed to counter. Doesn't have so much to do with aliens, for example, because that until the 19th century, that wasn't something that anyone had really thought about. So, um, we're getting down to the brass tacks on that. When people talk about a really serious alien invasion, a lot of what they describe actually has a lot of hallmarks of demonic activity. But even beside that, there's all some of it has the hallmarks of just of just sexual rape and the psychological consequences of that. And I, I wouldn't. Because here's the thing, everyone says, yeah, all the aliens are demons. I think 90% of it are a phenomena of more advanced technology that our government is working with and experiments they're actually conducting on American citizens. At the very least, I would be very surprised if that wasn't the case. And maybe the other 10% have to do with something demonic or whatnot. There was a cartoon, I was trying to find it, maybe I could have had a success finally sharing the screen. But um, I couldn't find the cartoon, uh, a little political cartoon where flying saucers are coming down. And they're saying, uh, yeah, hey, you might want to found a one-world government. Yeah, take us to your leader. <laughs> yeah. Um, as as the, the flying saucers are going around and people are looking up at them. And I've said it on this program before. I'll say it again, no matter how much mockery I get for it. Don't be surprised if they don't try to pull a fake alien invasion or a fake alien invasion. <laughs> I, knew you were gonna, I knew you were going to say that. Okay. Let, uh, just, just for levity. Just for levity's sake, can we quickly go around? We're talking about outer space. We're talking about the, the, the moon landing, for example. Yes or no? Do you believe that we landed on the moon? Oh, uh, boy. When was it? 1967? What, it's all canceled? Take me to your leader. <laughs> Do you think we actually went there? Ryan, yes or no? Um, yes or no? <laughs> uh, yes undefined. or no? Undefined. Oh, he, oh, he, he pleads the fifth. Mother Martin, the church builder doesn't believe in the Fifth Amendment. So, uh, yes or no? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yes or no? I'm gonna say, I'm, I'm gonna say most likely not. No, I'll, I'll most likely now. not. Okay, James, yes or no? No, no. James says no. We didn't go to the moon, Bug. Kubrick was a great director, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, have Mike, we have we Mike, all no 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 Mike. Our... Mike. Mike, 
course, there's no there's no atmosphere on the moon. Why is the American <laughs> okay. flag flying, flapping? There's no atmosphere. Wait, and, and, and by the way, I keep seeing things about the moon landing that always give me pause. Like, how does that work? So I have a friend who's actually a physicist. He actually has a PhD in physics. Um, turns out he works for himself and makes a lot more money at the moment. So, but um, he's in my cigar lounge. So I'm just asking him now. Conspiracy theorists who question the moon landing, they say this and that Van Allen radiation belts and all that. So he laid out very, you know, physical explanation of it and and how that could work. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then I come back with some other things. Uh, what about? What about the, these moon rovers we've got on the moon? Because the yeah, official sure. NASA docs, that the documentaries are saying there's no room in that little Apollo spacecraft. They had no room whatsoever, mm. yet they've got these giant moon buggies that they're driving around. What, what, what's the story there? He's like, well, I, I don't actually know about that, but what I heard was they're so, they were so small they could fit into a suitcase. He's like, so what you're telling me is America was really kicking butt in the late 60s. We yeah. had a car that could fold into a suitcase. Why don't we have that now? I mean, it, that would <laughs> Revenue that's crazy. Oh, even even um, to like to get the camera angle and the shadows and the everything. Like you're in a spacesuit, you're supposedly in a zero gravity environment. You 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 have this glass in front of you, and you're trying to get the camera. One small step for man. Come on, guys. So my word on it is, um, I do not want to hitch my my horse to that wagon without like super. <laughs> A really good proof, but at the same time, I remain a little bit skeptical that the government yeah. that fix a pothole actually got men to the moon. So we'll just put it that mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I are we all just discredited now, Bug? Because we're yeah, all moon much. deniers. <laughs> is, is the right I have, I have to give a fun answer. But I've always withheld judgment. Right. I don't know anything about the moon landing, to be quite frank. Um, so I, I just don't. I don't actually even care. That's where I am, which is why I can give a fun answer. Uh, <laughs> if, if like, what what does it matter ultimately, right? Um, the reality is, is could they use that to then start pushing the alien narratives and all of that? Absolutely. Could they use other things? Absolutely. It's like spaghetti conspiracy, and I don't say conspiracy theory. The actual conspirators mm -hmm. are happy to just throw all kinds of stuff at the wall to right, see what right. sticks, right? Uh, and then when things start to take off, it's look, I used to run a development company. It's the exact same idea, right? You know, you, you throw it all out there. When things start to rise, when people start to pay attention to one thing, you go, oh, great. Put all that stuff back in the drawer. This is the thing, guys. This is the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how I think they've been running this show for a long time. <laughs> all right. Let's get to... Um... We need somebody who's can designated be the New York City guy. When I bring up New York City, I got two vehicle, two two videos here. Somebody has to say New York City. Um, first of all, here's okay. Language warning. This is your official uh -oh. language warning. But I want to show you this video raw for uh, for a reason because this woman is opposing Agenda 2030, which uh, Klaus Schwab talks about in his books, Agenda 2030. She is awake to it, and she is pissed off. You want to take my children into a room and give them a snicker bar and some damn fries and talk about come get this vaccine? God it is tantamount to kidnapping. No. That's what it is. what it is. You don't have control of my children. You don't have control of me. They shut our doors and try to give us God Fauci. To hell with God. God Fauci. He's a fraud. Criminal. Churches are surrendering their pulpits to the demonic hockle. I'm not coming to your church. You're not getting my time. Are you crazy? 
children out of school. I'm a former educator, 24 years. They stopped teaching them years ago. You just didn't know. Yep. Facts. You just didn't know. Facts. Education went to hell years ago. Facts. They taught them compliance. Yep. They stopped teaching them to think. Analytical thought went out the window yep. with state exams. Yep. Those state exams are just being used to track your children, to determine who's going to college, to train them, to support yep. this God-forsaken system, all the rest that's going elsewhere. They have pushed us into prison. I don't care how you look at it. If you're in corporate America, you're imprisoned by your lifestyle. If you're in the government, you're imprisoned by your job with good benefits. You understand? If you are on subsidy, you're imprisoned by their benefits. We have to get out their system, pull yourself out, pull your dollars out, and level it. We have to get out of the system, pull yourself out, pull your dollars out, James, and level it. Thanks yeah, for on to something. Absolutely. And I, 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 I can't imagine someone like that still exists in New York City. Every once in a while we get these gl- glimmers of... Uh, you know, someone thinking right, you know, uh, but uh, we never, we never think it's going to be in New York city and then boom, there, there it is. So she's absolutely right. You know, people are, I guess people are frustrated enough and uh, they're making uh, their frustration known. We support so much of this government without realizing it because we, we've gotten so comfortable with getting uh, everything we want. We live in a very lax uh, environment. We want to be relaxed. We want to be ma- maximized. It's like the movie, um, uh, with, uh, I guess it was a Pixar movie back in 2010 uh, about how lax the whole world had become. And now people are walking around, not walking around, gliding around in little, uh, hover, you know, little hoverboard Wally. things. Yes, exactly. What was that again? Wally. Wally. That's exactly right. So that movie, Wally, people are gliding around little mm-hmm. hoverboards and they have TVs practically glued on their heads and they have their little slurpy cups. Right. And that's pretty much we laugh about it, but that's exactly what we're doing in today's world. So we're so comfortable in that lifestyle that it takes us something like this. And God, sometimes God uses something like this to wake us up. You know, what, what have you been doing? This is your time to wake up. Well, look at what's happening around you. And perhaps, you know, something like this wakes people up. I mean, we can only hope. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, part of, part of her major disagreement, uh, bug was with the sort of how the the public school system funnels you either into the higher education debt trap, corporate lifestyle, or, you know, some other lifestyle, which involves either, you know, a tradesmanship prison, I mean, she, she, or, or government. And, and she sort of lays out how all of those are various forms of, of, of really modern day slavery. I think she did a good job of sort of like just at least naming them. She didn't totally dismantle them. I know you have, have thought and written and are writing, uh, thinking and, and, and telling people about, you know, your life and, uh, how you've, you've rejected all of that as well. You've taken your dollars out of the system and you've leveled it in your life. Yeah. So this is, um, you asked me earlier about, you know, people, are they, is the narrative coming apart? No, but this is the reality. The reality is the narrative has to come apart for each one of us individually, right? Mm-hmm. That woman, by the way, Matt, uh, what was his name? The guy that was talking Matt about Walsh. Trade. Matt Walsh needs to take notes from her. That's how you argue with the irrational people, right? You don't, <laughs> you don't reason with them. You tell them. Um, look, the reality is we all need the wake-up call. 
And the worse things get, and you see this in society again and again, the trend is always towards the end, right? You know, it's, we're always getting worse and worse as things go along, but there's always these big flows and it's about holiness, right? It's about people waking up so they can get back on the right track. They can let loose of the attachments, man. We're the softest society in the history of the world. Pull your money out. And you know what? You're going to suffer. It, so I, I've taken on what I call a, a no purchase lifestyle, you know, working towards it at least, man, you suffer all of a sudden there, you realize you, every second of your day is filled with things that make you comfortable every second of your day. Uh, and when you start ripping those things out, but that woman, she's ready, man, she's mm-hmm. ready to rip out all the things that make her comfortable because her kids matter more to her. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's mm-hmm. man. I mean, she had me fired up at some point. What matters more? And that's what we got to do. That's, that's the narrative that has to come apart, but it has to come apart right in your own heart. Yeah. And it's the kids. I, I think you're right. It's the kids that are waking people up. That's why we saw uh, Youngston um, elected in Virginia in a stunning victory. Um, here's a nine-year-old girl in New York City, New York City, uh, being arrested for not wearing a mask. Just why they don't want us to have you we stand with you. Forward, order, Thank you. Read, read, read. You are traumatizing a little child. No, no, no. This is fucking disgusting. No. Look at the child. I know a captain that works in the fucking Central Park. Look at the child. Look at the child. This is what we're doing. Where are you taking her? Where are they taking her? Like, it's fucking fucked up. Yeah, I'm sorry about the language. I'm really sorry. I, I, I don't know how to edit some of these smaller clips. But but you have nine-year-olds being arrested in New York City, and you have people that are ticked off. They're over it. And as Bug said, Ryan, if you have to wake up to it in your personal life. And I think that the public school issue is the one where they may have made the mistake. They may have, they may have overplayed their hand, and people are they're over it. I think they are. I mean, you just look at the increase in homeschooling over and above. Uh, even when schools opened back up, there were a lot of people, and for various reasons, too. Not all of them were trad Catholics or conservative Catholics. There were people who were all sorts of religious backgrounds and whatever that said, well, I'm not putting my kids back in the school after all this stuff. I'm not putting my kid in to be subjugated to wear this mask and sit in a bubble and be psychologically tortured. Uh, all day because you know anyone of basic common sense can see why that's bad even if they don't uh unfortunately hold the grace of the catholic faith so you know so the same thing you know is gonna people see that and and everything they do makes any right thinking person again continue to look at this thing and say what are they doing you're you, wait, wait, you're arresting a nine-year-old i mean the thing you used to do wait when i was a kid um i remember like when i was four uh, I tried to steal a candy bar as my mom told me no. And then my dad found out about it. He marched me back into that blasted store and he got the manager and the manager came down and he looked at me and, you know, with the, you know, the finger wagon said, you know, we'll call the police next time. Nobody was going to call the police. Nobody's going to yeah. put a four-year-old in jail. <laughs> all right. But it terrified me as a four-year-old say, Oh wow. If I steal, well, there's real consequences to that. Something bad could happen. Right. And, and even though I couldn't even put it in those kind of words in us for that, that those wheels are turning like this is bad and bad things happen. If I break this. Right. Ryan, Ryan, you're not fooling oh, us. You were reading yeah. Latin when you were four. Just admit. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so that, that that's the reality um is that you, those are the way that's the way you used to work with it then children would take their lesson and say yeah better not do that again now they literally really do arrest you put you in cuffs and put you in jail wait a minute, over what um some girl says a boy touched her inappropriately it might be the thing like um he put his hand on her shoulder or something like that a little kid it's, it's they're not they're prepubescent the idea of anything sexual hasn't even come in their mind and it's like oh well that's like practically rape and some crazy karen boomer you know in the principal's office calls the cops and they have the kid arrested and the cops for whatever stupid reason comply with that um you know and, and so years in the in the making so now you just appropriate that to whatever the state's saying we're going to scare those kids we're going to make them do what we say by traumatizing them and, and, and it's 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 absolutely unconscionable that's not how a society a healthy society treats kids you're blowing my mind right now we the our, the society is that little kid oh. and they're doing the exact same thing to us that yes. they did to your to that your dad did to you he got right. the guy to wag his finger and say we'll arrest you it's all it's all show they arrest the little kid and say look we're so serious about this we'll even arrest the little kid mm -hmm. that's how serious this is guys it's a finger wag. We're just the little kid getting finger wagged at. Brother Martin, I have some more videos about the children. Um, and wow. some of them are pretty bad. It's, it's, it's the indoctrination of children. It's that you must wear your mask over your nose in the school. This nine-year-old kid is is being arrested. Unvaccinated children in L.A. are being forced to sit outside the parking lot. Um, do you think that, I mean, in the absence of a moral society, in the absence of a society that believes in God, um, the one thing that's going to wake them up is is at least the abuse of their children. Yeah? So today, I mean, you asked that question on a very important day because today is actually the Feast of St. Agnes. And St. Agnes is a very important martyr in the Roman Church. She's in the Roman canon. Um, always mentioned that after the consecration. St. Agnes was a 13-year-old girl who, at that very young age, um, received from God the grace, the inspiration, to consecrate her entire life, her virginity, to Almighty God and to remain a virgin for the rest of her life. Um, she was ultimately martyred because she was a Christian. Uh, it was a very brutal martyrdom with the sword. Um, I remember going to, when I was living in Rome, going to Piazza Navona and hearing the stories. I went to her church, uh, Santa Agnese, um, and hearing, I mean, she had her, her breast cut off and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was very gruesome. It's a 13-year-old girl being, being shown a sword. Um, Dom Garinjay in, in um, the liturgical year mentions the fact that, you know, 13-year-old girls, they... They feared the finger wag from their parents. And here's this young 13-year-old girl not even fearing a sword, not even fearing the, the fact that her life is, is going to be taken away from her from, uh, for fulfilling her vow and remaining faithful to her vow. Um, and so I think, I mean, in asking this particular question, it, it, it strikes me that, you know, the courage of all these young children that are actually standing up because of a lot of us adults are, are very compliant um, to the regime. And, you know, we, we've been wearing our masks. We've been taking our jabs, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, not me personally, but I'm just saying, you know, in general those other people but adults in general have, have been very compliant whereas kids are being arrested i mean i remember at, at nine years old i was being taught in, in a public elementary school that police were always the people you call they're always the people you trust um etc cetera, etc cetera. and and i can only imagine the kind of trauma that would be if i, if I were arrested at nine years old it's like i thought these were the people that you know my school was telling me to go to if ever i was in trouble and now they're here arresting me for doing what's was right what's true 
uh, for just being what's what's normal. Um, but I mean, the, the feast of uh, uh, Saint Agnes. I mean, she's a very important martyr. I think. I think, especially in our day. I mean, those last two weeks, especially in, in the liturgical calendar, we've been seeing a lot of martyrs either from the early church or during the Arian crisis. Um, that can give us a lot of examples, a lot of encouragement to to, to live in these times, both uh, secularly and what's going on in the secular world, and also ecclesiastically, because it was in the early church when we were, when the Christians were being persecuted by by the emperors, uh, and then also ecclesiastically, the Arian crisis where all the bishops were heretics. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, especially in, the, in these times, um, these past two weeks, um, Paul the first Hermes, Saint uh, Saint Anthony. I think earlier this week there was um, Saint Marius, Martha, uh, Autofact. My, my glasses, Abakum. They were actually a family, a family of, of two parents and, and children that went to the prisons in Rome and, and 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 gave charity to the Christians that were there in Rome, and, and they were martyrs for it. I mean, that was it. That's their story. That, that they, they 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 traveled to Rome to give charity to the Christians that were that were uh, persecuted in the jails. They gave them charity. They were caught, and they were killed. I mean, how many of us would do that? How many of us would take our families to a place where we we found Christians in jail? to give them a piece of bread, to give them hope, to give them their courage and to risk that our, even our own children would be martyred. No, I mean, in fact, I mean, contrast, contrast that family and how those children are raised with how the children in Quebec are being raised. Euh, appeler la police. Ouh, oui, oui. S'ils n'ont pas leur vaccin, ça peut mettre beaucoup de personnes en danger. Fait comme le gouvernement est en train de faire en ce moment, il faut leur couper petite chose à petite jusqu'à temps qu'ils qu'il se tannent et qu'ils se fassent vacciner. En tout cas, vous avez, on a des futurs politiciens à côté de nous. <rire> Merci. Merci beaucoup à tous nos invités. But I like the Dutch a heck of a lot better. Than the, <laughs> the feeling these, of it. I don't know. These, these French kids are being indoctrinated, James. They're being. T- I mean, they're, they're they're appearing on national television. This is like the abuse of that little Swedish girl, the autistic one, uh, yeah. where, where they're being paraded around so that they can uh, proclaim the liberal agenda and parrot what they're supposed to say, and then they're affirmed by you know an adoring and and, and adulant audience. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, was that was that French television or was that uh, Quebecois television? It looked like uh, there were a bunch of French Canadians there. I could be wrong, but in any case, um, yeah, that's that's pretty it's pretty sad. That is what I call child abuse. You can tell these kids have been uh, fed a narrative. Uh, you know, however, a couple you know years this took to get them to that you know position, but it's unfortunate that they have to sit up there and make such a decision in front of. Uh, millions of people who I guess are watching this. Um, and I, I would not want my kids to be up there for whatever reason, being used as pawns of, uh, of the government. But here we, ha- you know, here we have it. This is what they did with uh, Greta Thunberg, right? Uh, you know, who's now, uh, you know, using F words against uh, the people who try to control her. So, well, she's eight. She's eighteen now, so she can right. uh, she can she can <laughs> right. curse. She can speak uh, freely. This yeah. is what happens to if you're unvaccinated in Los Angeles. Um, this is where you take your schooling. <laughs> Just sit outside. I go Just for sit that. Outside, bug, and uh, sit in the parking lot, but don't leave the. 
don't leave the you know the the cordoned off area. You might you might infect somebody because you know uh, this is the pandemic of the unvaccinated, as usurper in chief fake Catholic Joe Biden keeps saying. Yeah, this is um, this is the product of government schools, right? I mean, the bottom line is this trend started a hundred years ago, and they finally have more right. and more of the infrastructure in place to to start getting more bold with what they truly believe, which is that your children belong to them. And they're chattel. They're just the future uh, wage slaves. Uh, they're the future infrastructure widgets. And that's it. Um, why anyone would send their children to spend eight day, eight hours a day with people who do not love them is absurd. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, speaking of uh, going to school with people that don't love you, people that have a disdain for you, in fact, people that view you as a bio weapon as a biohazard good morning west runnenbrook middle school please excuse this public service announcement by your nurse snoop dog walker so after my first rap saw some improvement been told if I rap again, it will start a movement. Here I am doing my part. Now it's time for you all to be smart. Many have slacked off and COVID is ramped up. Keep the masks off and even when asking, what's up? The masks do not protect me or you unless one of your nose stuck like glue. Please don't make us use disciplinary action. Wear them right and bring on the satisfaction. Let it be clear, we want you here. So, wear your mask over your nose. Say it with me now. Wear your mask over your nose. One more time. Wear your mask over your nose. I, public, wow. school, public school is a mortal sin. If you send your child <laughs> to public school, it's a mortal sin. I mean, I'm about to about to say with the language I'm about to use after listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, That's if you good. want if you want your child to go to heaven, do not send him or her to more to public school. I mean, it's that simple. It, it don't tell me that you can't afford it. Don't tell that just just stay just keep them home. Even Let me just break here they on that. Checkers all day. They're better off than with I'm that woman. But you got to realize there are you know part of it is getting people convinced the ways in which they can save money fix things or organize their household, homeschool, whatever, because you do have, you have single moms who are Catholic that their, 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 their husbands abandoned them. You have single dads, their wives abandoned them for, you know, whatever reason and the complicated mess that is humanity. And they're a single parent in a single income household. And they're looking at this and they haven't got outside the box yet. They haven't gotten out to say, wait a minute, I could do this. If I did these things, man, that's going to be, tough but maybe i could do that so you even though i agree fully like you knowingly send your kids to public school and you're like yeah i I should do that to be a good citizen or whatever um you're probably the very least you should be aware you're probably committing a mortal sin but for the people that feel like that they're in they're in a corner and they've Mm -hmm. got no other choice we just need to open up that little bit of mercy and say well we get it and and that's actually where i think as, as as traditional catholic communities irrespective of whether you're 
society, fraternity, institute, whatever. We should be able to say, hey, what can we do to help these single parents in our community mm-hmm. that have found the traditional mass, that love the traditional mass? Because they're there. You might not know who they are. They might have not have introduced themselves. They might be ashamed because their, their spouse left them or whatever, even though they're not at fault for it. Maybe they are at fault for it and try to fix it. I don't know. But there are those people there. So we just got to have that, that opening of the mercy. And it's not even a question of exceptions. It's a question of people who feel like they have no other choice, helping them realize, actually, you do. And, and that, that was the only thing I just wanted to break in with. Yeah, in the well, general run. I mean, yeah, that's, that's fine. But, but that's, you know, it, it's sort of like when you, when you argue against an abortionist and they say, well, what about rape and incest? And then like, they always go to the, the to the, what they view as the exceptions. I don't view those as exceptions either to, to abortion, but some people do. Um, it, well, there's a difference in that abortions contrary to natural law, obviously. But Where but state-run schools are all are also I mean state property of children is is contrary to the natural law as well, and it's an urgent thing. It's very urgent. I mean, every single day that your child is a public school is one more day that that child is being indoctrinated and abused. Mike is Mike is right. The only thing only thing that needs to be brought into to that thing, and Mike, you're completely right, is the fact that there's often within these cases a judge that decides who gets custody over a particular child, in which case the person who's whose family, you know, who abandons their family and gets custody of the children, you know, there's a, there's a, judge, in there, there's a judge in there that gets uh, the say in who gets to decide where that children goes and et cetera, et cetera. But these are complicated issues. These go beyond, you know, the, the general, like, yeah, if you, if you, no matter, even in that situation, if your kids go to a public school, they're going to get brainwashed, which, which is why it's right. completely true that even, even if it's not your own personal responsibility, if you're not culpable for sending, if your, your kid's going to a public yeah. school, you have to realize well, your kids it. are going to get brainwashed, and you know they go for that. People who are out I, there that are, aren't, you know, that they aren't feeling judged unnecessarily by us. Fine, and, 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 I, and I think that's a good. I, I'm not judging those people. I'm not judging those people. I'm just saying that just sometimes, I know some audience. sometimes some people need to hear a hard truth, right? And they need sometimes some people need to be slapped in the face with truth, bug. Uh, even if it's uncomfortable, sometimes people need to be made to feel uncomfortable going back to the idea that we need to bring back shame, uh, to keep our society and our glue and our culture together. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to lambast anybody because I am a product of public school. Um, so in many ways I can speak from from experience. Yeah. No wonder. Right. Um, (laughs) I've got a great both and answer guys. I, I, I have a both and answer. I can both, um, apply the merciful uh, side of it and shame the person at the same time. Okay. Uh, Get it. You're in a bad situation. We get it. But you need to sit down and look at this point. I don't believe anybody that says they don't see the problem. Right. That person needs to sit down and sift through every single aspect of their life and figure out what it is that they're putting above their children. That's it. Every person can do that. And what every single person, at least in America, will come up with is I I can do without all of these things. I will suffer greatly, maybe, but I can do without every single thing that I'm putting above my child's uh, well-being, period. Nobody nobody starves to death in America. You will figure it out, right? There there is is a, a, and by the way, it's not wrong to accept handouts. If you're really in that situation and mm-hmm. and you need handouts to prevent you from having yeah. to go mm-hmm. to, to uh, indoctrination camp, that's an absolutely acceptable situation, right? So 
there it is. You get you just got shamed and you got uh, you got. <laughs> well, it's true, you know, because there there are certain people that just come in with with that random exception, et cetera, et cetera. Every time we we state just a blatant fact, and yeah. you know, there are exceptions to particular rules, and and we acknowledge that that reality. Um, you can, we we can state the blatant reality that if your kids go to to, to public school, they're most likely going to get brainwashed. Um, we can warn you of that fact, especially if you send them to them just willy-nilly, just completely willy. If, it, if it's beyond your control, obviously it, it diminishes culpability. And so that's all, only what we want to uh, to bring out is that if, it, if it's something that's absolutely beyond your control, don't feel a, don't take offense to the fact that we're saying that your kids are going to be brainwashed because it's a reality. Um, just recognize the reality. Right. And, and there's something here uh, that we can also recognize. And I think Bug, Bug was alluding to some aspect of this. Uh, a lot of parents in California, for instance, are in the situation where they uh, they're sens- sensing something is wrong. You know, their kids are being told they have to go to the court to witness this uh, unnatural marriage that's taking place. Something is wrong, right? So they're starting to sense something is wrong. So there, for them, that might there might be a lapse in uh, judgment as to what should come first as far as fixing that problem that's putting their child at at risk. Now, sometimes people might just need a slap on the head so they can truly sit down and focus and to bring that uh, into perspective, what must be done immediately, what must be done first. And that should always be the safety, the well-being of our kids. Uh, And that could mean a lot of things. That could mean, I mean, if people can do this for their job, right? If you're living in a, in a state like California, that you feel you feel is encroaching in, in your natural rights, um, you might think, "Oh, wow, I can't deal with this. I have to leave." But w- what happens if your surroundings are great, but then your child comes to school or goes to school rather and comes back home, and you feel, "Well, you know, my child's not having a great experience." But you're working through it, but you're not, you're not working fast enough. It's easier for you to say, "I'm going to look for a different job somewhere else that could help me figure out." This whole situation right now, this present situation is not working out. So it shouldn't be about, well, you know, right now um, it's going to be a passing thing and we'll work through it. No, it's this is immediate. You know, get the child out of there. First of all, get your job the needs that provides, you know, security for your family. Get that job taken care of somehow. Get a handout if you need a handout. But get out of that situation. Don't keep mm-hmm. making excuses that mm-hmm. keep you where you are. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know when it's going to go from bad to worse. But there, but but to, I think to Ryan's point, there is always there's going to be someone, and we all know somebody who is going to be in that situation where they cannot crawl out, and that's that's fine. But as Bug right. said, you just have to recognize the actual reality, the objective reality that right. you're in the situation, and as a result of you being in this situation, one of the crosses that you bear is your child is in is in a communist internment camp. Right. Exactly. And, um, and, and, and that's, that's a terrible thing. And it's a cross that you'll have to bear, but uh, we do have to, we have to recognize if, if, if the five of us can agree on one thing is that we want to be this King who put a single fry in his mouth for two hours on an airplane. <laughs> so he didn't have to wear the Fauci Viper. Look at this guy. Where is this guy? Oh, where, oh, here he is. Two hours, <laughs> two hours with that French fry. That's that man impressive. deserves a congressional medal. <laughs> I, 
I might eat my words. We might not be as soft of a society as I think. There's hard <laughs> like that out there. We have hope. Oh man. Okay. Uh, uh, we have to do. Man, I have so many more videos that we have to get to, but we are running out of time. Do a couple I more. Think... All right, I'll do a couple more. Uh, One more reaction to it. Okay, fine. Here's Fauci saying yeah, that the, 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 big, the biggest problem in these United States is disinformation, which is the rundown. You know, one of the things that, that we, I believe, the entire world is facing, but we certainly are facing it in a very, very disconcerting way in the United States, is the amount of disinformation that is accompanying what should be a problem where everyone pulls together against the common enemy, which is the virus. We have disinformation that is entirely destructive to a comprehensive public health endeavor. Uh, so this is Fauci in, in collusion with Joe Biden, in collusion with Facebook and big tech, saying that they need to crack down on us. Uh, they want to crack down on Joe Rogan bug. They want to crack down on anybody who, you know, dissents from the from the liberal orthodoxy. Not that I think that Joe Rogan is particularly good, uh, no. but they, but Joe they want Rogan to censor us. Basically, a guy that comes out and says what he thinks, and he gets guests on that are verboten, and he's 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 one of these people that just comes out there and does stuff. Don't always agree with what he does. Don't always agree with what he says. But he's put the media to shame because he's literally just just getting people on for their perspectives. That's what real journalism is. And the media can't stand it because the media are all owned by like maybe four or five people, all media that you see. And so they're, they're getting their, their diktats from above. You're not going to have these people. You're going to ignore these people. You're only going to say these. I mean, NPR, which, of course, is government propaganda radio, uh, national propaganda radio. I was listening to them uh, way back at the beginning of the, the unspecified virus of unspecified origin. And what's the thing you're saying? Oh, redemsevir. Is the only drug that can treat COVID? Obviously not the uh, H1, not the I uh, drug that we don't say unless we get banned from YouTube. Only this one, which is now being shown to be linked to liver failure, heart problems, and all these other things. It does nothing for you except weaken your organs like almost every other pharmaceutical out there. And so you, yeah, that's the one. They, they declared that's the only drug that works, and there's no blowback for that, no pushback for that. But they're corporately controlled. They're just pushing what they're told to. Rogan, and then you know institutions like us, uh, pop media groups uh, that are out there that are doing their, their reviews of movies and film and TV media, um, thinking like the Critical Drinker, Friday Night Tights. They're getting, gathering massive audiences on the, on the pop scene, whereas the official organs to talk about pop culture get nothing. And they're, they're, they're just down, drowning because nobody watches them. And the same thing on, on politics and news. Um, and so th this is Fauci basically laying out what, he, what he's got, his little card that he's supposed to say, because they are absolutely going to run with Internet 2.0 and driver's license for the Internet. And you've got to have your central bank digital currency and your international, your uh, um, whatever approval rates, your, your brand and booster, whatever, in order to even be on the Internet at all. That's where it's all going in the long term. That's why the digital currency is so important, right? That, yeah. I, I've been saying for a long time, I think that's the central issue of all of this. I think that's what this whole unspecified disease uh, from an unspecified origin, uh, I think that's what this was all about, was starting to build the infrastructure for digital currency. 
because you talked about driver's license for the internet. Nope. All you need to digital currency is your license for everything. Right. If they don't like a single thing you say, you're done. Your digital currency goes away. It's locked or whatever, you know. And pay your rent. And you're done. Unless, of course, by the way, you leave your your current lifestyle and go start living a non-purchase lifestyle, Mm -hmm. uh, in which case the world's Mm -hmm. not going to change for you. Uh, you know, you know who are using, they're not leaving their lifestyle, but they're using their current lifestyle and in, in, in critical infrastructure, truck drivers. Uh, look at these base Canadian truck drivers that literally shut down the border over these mandates. While we're protesting the vaccine mandate. mandate freedom right there there's rick's truck we just did the interview with him just in front of his truck there i mean talk about using your station in life whatever you have going for you whatever your sphere of influence is to resist i think i mean i think this is a great wake-up call we need to resist if, if if truck drivers can resist wherever we are in our life whatever our career is we can resist too Absolutely. There's not a single there's not a single mandate or rule of any kind that we can't all completely ignore. And I, I don't I don't I don't say that ironically or tongue in cheek. You can legitimately ignore every single thing that they have to say. There might be consequences eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know. So what? Yeah, you live with the consequences and that's that. Um <sighs> Here's how the Italians are getting around it. Uh, you're not allowed to board a vessel unvaccinated, so they're just using their own vessels. Angelo, buonasera. Ben arrivato in Sicilia. Oramai ci siamo ridotti mezzo dagli extracomunitari. La valigia, senti ritorno da Roma. Guess what? I got my suitcase. I'm on the beach. I've moved from point A to point B, and I'm still human. One hundred. Shout out to, yeah. Shout out to Hillary White who posted something. Uh, I think about this on Sunday, saying, you know, people are finding out new ways to get around town, and she's having to, you know, the buses don't work for her for that reason, so she's having to find new ways to get around town. Mm-hmm. Right. And the thing is, there's ways around it. You have alternate forms of currency. Uh, stock up on it now. And like I was just telling somebody recently to get their 401ks out. I did that a few years ago. So you know, for years, boomer relatives, no, no, never give up on those 401ks. I'm sorry. No, I realized right. what a sham financial system is. I cashed all those out and put it in ammo, gold, and silver. And although I didn't get much much gold, but I did, did get silver and ammo. And, you know, for these reasons, when that's what you've got, that's something tangible, valuable, that people have an understanding, this is valuable. I've got ammo and calibers that I don't even own a firearm for because it's going to be useful to somebody. Uh, you in, know what? In that that's yeah, meat, that's food, whatever. That's a very good idea. You know, I, I own some uh, non-traditional stock that people might want to get their hands on. I don't use them. I mean, I own, uh, you know, shorts cargo shorts and uh, athletic mm-hmm. socks <laughs> never going to use this but no, it makes some good currency mm-hmm. makes some good currency do you but but, but do you but, have what you need for pizza dough 
That's the question. <laughs> all, all I have is these books. All I have is these books. Anybody can use this? This is my, this is my currency back here. Yeah, exactly. You can, still, exactly. You can whack a dude yeah. in the face with a book. It's a weapon of opportunity. I'm not going to knock Bitcoin. Bitcoin has legitimacy, a legitimacy to it that other things do not. But how are you going to access your Bitcoin when uh, you know you don't have a network, you don't have your green pass or whatever? Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying like again. I don't want to diss Bitcoin because it has a legitimacy to it that other things don't. Yeah. But at the same time, if I need a 5G network with my green pass to get it, it's not going to be useful thing. So I say diversify. Yeah, get your Bitcoin. I actually have Bitcoin. I do have. Uh, I take. I've uh, taken some payments in Bitcoin before. You can do I that. didn't realize. Uh, I didn't realize you were part of the NSA honeypot, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, I've cashed it out and used it for real things. And then I take it more in Bitcoin. I was like, all right, I'll do that. Right. And then I also have all the real things that exist so that when I don't have a 5G network because I don't have my green pass and I can't get a hold of that little bit of Bitcoin that I've got, then I've at least got the real things that I've got. So, right. you know, Here, here's another example of, of a here's another example of a woman who is using her station in life, her position, her job, her, her profession to resist. And uh, unlike Church Militant, this is a legitimate use of the legal system. Um, image <laughs> of all the people who have recently, recently been admitted with COVID. How many of those people are fully vaccinated? How many of your fully vaccinated employees are having breakthrough cases? And out of 2,879 patients that have died in your hospitals, how many of them were refused early treatment? Yes. Yes. Financially, we have a lot of questions. In 2019, Methodist Hospital reported over $4 billion in assets. This was before COVID. Let's see what they've done since COVID. How much have your uh, executives profited from the COVID windfall. Do you have any financial relationships with the vaccine companies? Mm -hmm. you, <clears throat> how much are you making from the vaccines? How much have you been rewarded by giving remdesivir? And what have your complications been from giving remdesivir? Because they have not responded to my request. So this was, so just to cut to the chase, this doctor from this particular hospital system is suing her hospital uh, for mistreatment of COVID patients, and she's making she's stirring quite a national stir. Um, you've got truck drivers shutting down the place. You have people selectively going on strike. You have people resisting. You have pe I mean, this is this is what we need. But this goes back to though the overall discussion which we've already had in terms of, well, is it working? Are we the ones who are causing the COVID narrative to break down, or as Bug I think most articulately said. Are they just testing us in different ways to see who reacts to what and capturing that data so that they know how to best oppress us in the future for the next chapter? And I guess that's a rhetorical question. Um, <laughs> are you leading it for Bug or are you leading it for me or who, who did you I, uh, You know what? Let's, I, I, think, I think because, Ryan, you're coming up on your hard stop, we should do the grifter segment. <laughs> And I'm just, there you go. There I'm, so, go. I'm so grateful for church militant for paying people. They take in donations from people, especially boomers. They probably handwrite checks. And they, they used all that money to make all these memes about me, yours truly. So thank you, Church Militant, for this.
Ryan, you got a great this week, man. I'm not going to say anything bad about Church Militant because I blocked them on Twitter. So as far as I'm concerned, the, the, the conversation's done. So I'm not going to sit here and talk about them beyond behind the blocks. Instead, I'm going to do a couple of things. So I've got a lot of uh, this around. St. Pascal Balon, uh, great Franciscan saint. Uh, you should get this book. It's really great, especially if you have a devotion to our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. He is the saint of the Holy Eucharist and the patron of Eucharistic associations. Um, the next thing, I will not have an unpopular opinion today uh, because instead I have a different thing going on. So it wanted to make room for bugs so he can get one in there. Um, I've got a poll running on Twitter. Should I shave? And the reason for that is um, yes. I could care less what you know this whole thing looks like because I'm self-employed. So I don't have anyone over me, any HR over me saying, you're, you're not keeping up to dress codes being clean shaven here. And I have very little human respect. So I really don't care uh, if anyone thinks that this looks really stupid. And it probably does for all I know or care. But my wife recently, she likes it too, by the way, but... She's been looking at old photos and gauging. So um, anyway, so grift other people's stuff today just to be magnanimous. Um, so again, McAuliffe Magdalia, if you can find it. And then uh, find Tridentine Brewing on Twitter. Follow him and be ready for when he opens up a subscription because he makes some really good beer. They do have good beer. I got to taste his beer actually in a, at an event in D.C. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. you can't buy his beer unless you live in Illinois at the moment. But hopefully we can all. At the moment. Uh, purchase it in the future okay uh brother martin you need to grift this week because this is the grifter <laughs> you're muted why am i muted? who muted me i'm just kidding I'm sorry myself. anyway i'm muting myself um, anyway, that was a beautiful gift uh, that Church Milton gave us with this, this gift. It's, it's awesome. Anyway, I got a bunch of new calendars, a new shipment, because I, I ran out. You guys made me sell out of the first 100. So now I have a second uh, batch of 100 of calendars for um, pre-55 Augustinian calendars. Um, this is what I was looking at early in the show uh, about when I was referring to saints this week, about the early martyrs, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great way to have help your family live uh, the, uh, your life liturgically um, to know what saints 
the church is celebrating today to look them up. I mean, we have the internet today, so it makes makes uh, the, the lives of the saints very accessible. Um, so you can see who we're celebrating, why we're celebrating them, especially in the Roman church that we celebrate these very early martyrs who, who gave up, like as I said earlier in the show, uh, so much for so little in the sense that, you know, there was a family that all they did was was give food and water to, to persecuted Christians and, and they became martyrs. Um, so there's, there's a lot of inspiring stories already in this in this calendar. Uh, it's particularly Augustinian in the sense that we put our Augustinian saints in there too. And on our website, we, we post the lives of the Augustinian saints uh, to supplement that, to make sure they're on the internet to, um, to be found, to be read, and to inspire and so that you can, you can imitate them. And so that's what I have to grip this week. Is, uh, you can go to our website, www.obasystanagustin.com uh, slash shop, and you'll, and you'll find them there. Excellent. Uh, James. Well, you'd be surprised to note that this week I have nothing to share with the uh, wow. audience and the viewers. Wow! Look at I you! Know. You're just, you're the, you're bad at this whole grifting thing, aren't you? I'm really I'm really bad, but there are things working in the in the you know in, in the near future. We'll we'll see. Oh, that's good, uh, Bug. I know you just launched a podcast. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, uh, it's called the Twelfth Station. Uh, it's you know, the goal is to just sort of focus on all the various attacks on masculinity in the culture uh, and then try and present solutions to that uh, at various stages of life, right? So uh, the last episode we did, we had Father James Altman on. We talked about feminism. Um, so right now we're, we're really kind of aiming at high-level subjects, but we'll slowly start digging deeper and deeper uh, and really drilling down on, I mean, look, fractional reserve banking, uh, oh, yes. uh, is an infringement on men providing for their families properly, right? So, I mean, you can you can drill down on just about every every American topic and find an assault on masculinity. Uh, so, I suspect we won't run out of shows. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Excellent. All right. Uh, as as for me, uh, the only thing that I will ask everyone to do is, as usual, um, these things take time, but I would like to defeat church militant. In the legal system, they filed a lawsuit against me because they don't want Father Jackson to have an attorney. And Christine Niles said, if, if you give him one penny, we will smear you. If you give one penny to his legal defense, we will smear you. That's blackmail. And uh, when I exposed the blackmail, they didn't like it, so they sued me. Help me defend myself. Help me defeat them. Go to giveascendgo.com slash defeatcmtv. Giveascendgo.com slash defeatcmtv. I would love to report to you that that is behind us, but um, it won't be behind us until it's truly behind us. Um, let's do the unpopular opinions now. And Ryan, you said you're abstaining. I sort of interpreted that as meaning you're logging off, but you can you can be here. In fact, do you want to run? Them? Why, don't you, why don't you run the unpops? All right, there we go. All right. So in that case, uh, Brother Martin, what is your unpopular opinion this week? My unpopular opinion is... Uh... Church militant has completely reversed course in in the sense that they have sold you. They have encouraged people to give them donations and to give them money because they were going to overthrow the hierarchy or they were going to get the corrupt bishops removed from their office. They were going to solve the hierarchy problem, et cetera, et cetera. I can't count a sing- uh, even one bishop that they that they themselves alone have been the sole responsibility of removing from their office as, as bishop. There was a local news reporter in Buffalo that lagged onto the seminary there. It said the local bishop cover up. Church militant jumped on that and kind of participated, you know, tag team, 
um, that situation. Besides that one, every single other bishop that they've ever reported on is still is still in office or or else resigned with number twenty or seventy five. You know, the canonical age, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so they've kind of failed miserably at their promise of 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 exposing if fixing the hierarchy problem by exposing them, and so they've kind of turned on lay people. They've turned on the on the traditionalist podcasters, uh, the lay people, the, those that just do this for a hobby, just for the sake of apostolate, for the sake of uh, sharing the truth with people. Um, and they're and they're suing and they're and they're and they're attacking their um, their day jobs or their livelihoods, etc., to, to support their family. So. I, I really do think that we are in the post-church militant era in the church. Um, they serve no good purpose anymore. They might expose some scandals, but even more and more that we're realizing is that they're leaving a lot of information out, a lot of context out, um, to we really have to question a lot of the reporting. Um, so that, that's my unpopular opinion. We're in the, we're in the post-church militant era. Church militant ha- no longer serves a purpose in the church. Um, and they promised you that they would fix the hier- hierarchical problem but all they're doing is attacking podcasters they're aiming pretty low um and so they're they're not what they claim to be there's a 60 year old man doing an evening news show with with three 20 something year olds um it's pretty it's pretty pathetic so okay so in other words uh church militant no longer really serves a purpose yeah we're in the post-church militant era in the church (laughs) okay uh james what do you got all right. Um, we, we hear this often and we hear it, uh, you know, from everybody. So they say that uh, trads are just dour and, you know, they're no fun and they're not joyful. Well, I, I present the case that um, trads are actually more joyful than Novus Ordoites because we live in reality. So we judge everything prima facie and we understand in the end that Christ ju- does truly win. And so, yes, we like to have hard discussions. We like to ha- like to hash things out. We like to talk about things as they are, are happening, but does not necessarily or negate the fact that we know how to smile and laugh and make fun of each other and live in a world where we judge things as, as they are. You know, we're able to put things aside and, uh, you know, lock arms when it when it's when it comes time for that. But um, we, we don't let what's happening in the world cloud our daily living in the least. So that's my unpopular opinion. Trads are actually more joyful than Novosodoites. Okay, good. Um, <clears throat> next one, uh, Bug, what's your unpopular opinion where you uh, give an opinion that uh, is not necessarily the most popular for uh, general consumption and even amongst trads or whatever, uh, something that whether it's a hard truth or it's a, philosophical position or some opinion on film drama literature whatever it doesn't okay something that people are not going to like um i think that i think that uh the principle of not drawing attention to scandal is being misrepresented by people what i mean by that is the scandal is already public the scandals in the church specifically right uh, so you have a lot of these, like, you know, I don't know what you want to call them, half trads or something. They're like trans trads. I don't know what. Um, who very much so just don't want to talk about the problem. Here's the thing. What you draw to the faith, and they talk about conversion. That's always their reasoning for it is, well, who's going to convert when they see all the problems? Well, men, because men like to fight. Um, 
And when they realize that there's a whole uh, serious group of people in Catholicism who recognize the problem and who are ready and willing to roll, roll up their sleeves and, and fight the thing, they go, oh, there are still living, breathing men in that uh, <laughs> whatever the edifice is that I thought was was just a dead church. Um, so I think people convert because of these scandals when they see that people are genuinely fighting. And the people that try to hush-hush around it, they're an impediment to conversion. Okay. So, Mike, what do you got for us? I think that... Um... I think that the division of property equally amongst your children and your will is a French revolutionary principle that destroys families. And here's why I say that. Prior to the French Revolution, you had primogenitor, which is the privilege of the firstborn son. And the firstborn son was always raised in a certain way. He was raised to take over the family. He was prepared in the same way that a noble family would prepare his firstborn son to take the noble title or a royal family would prepare the firstborn son to become king. And we need to get back to this. We need to stop dividing our assets equally amongst our children, especially trads who have 10 kids, 12 kids, 15 kids. Because when you take a $100,000 estate or a million dollar estate and you divide it by 10 or 12 or 15, then everybody is essentially starting from zero. And um, I think that this this particular one is so pernicious because it pits uh, it pits siblings against each other. It destroys the patrimony of the family, and t- and and in terms of the physical assets of the family, the estates that used to pass from generation to generation to generation to generation, the estates are gone because the estates are sold because Johnny and Lucy want the cash. Because they know that they, they're they entitled to 50%. How do you divide 50% of a house? You can't say, okay, I'll take the rafters. So you sell the house, get the cash, give it to all the kids equally. This is a huge mistake. This is what enables them to turn us into a society of renters. Whereby we rent our property from the government. Insofar as we pay our property taxes on an annual basis, if we fail to pay our property taxes, then we lose our house. We need to keep our estates in the family. And the only way to do that is to entrust one person in the family to take the headship of the family. And it's not just the privilege. It's the, it's the rights and the duties. It's the duties involved with the firstborn son, with the primogenitor. You, you not only pass on the assets, you pass on the responsibility of maintaining the family name, the family identity, the family faith, and educating any of the children that are still around if you happen to die young. This is something I think we need to get back to primogenitor. And if you want to read a book about it, TIA, Tradition in Action, puts out a really good book about it in which they, uh, they I, I forget the name of the book, but uh, I'll put it in the show notes later, in which they quote from family books that are solemnly passed down from father to firstborn son, where they say things like, my son, I give to you 11 generations of faithful Catholics. I bequeath to you 11 generations who have lived on this estate. Woe to you or to anyone in my line who squanders this inheritance. And when we have a true identity for our family, for our culture, for our nation, for our faith, communism, we're we're immune to communism because communism requires a severing with your identity in order to be accepted. So in order to maintain that identity, we have to maintain the assets. And that's why property 
Private property is so important. And anybody who attacks private property, church militant, you can assume is somebody who hates families, a bunch of single people who hate family members, family men. Uh, so it's all tied together. There's something to be said for that, too, in terms of you look at our modern situation where the boomers come around, the baby boomers, the actual boomers in the 60s, and their parents will to deny them nothing because they went through the Depression and they, they create the entitlement generation, as it were. And so the boomers have now come to their 50s, 60s, 70s, and they're adamant that they will not allow their children to inherit their property. They inherited all this wealth that their parents created, and they have taken it and they've squandered it, or maybe they've kept it or they've done whatever, and they do mm-hmm. not want their kids to get it. They will do everything possible to write their kids out of their will. Most, mm-hmm. again, the exception proves the rule. You know, because most of them really do this. Yeah. And there are a handful of exceptions to this rule. They do not want their kids getting the wealth. They, they will not give their kids anything. They themselves, you know, inherited all this stuff. They benefited from it. They engorged themselves on it. You know, so there's, there's a lot to be said on that in terms of the baby boomer generation. And when they die, all these storage units of all kinds of stuff that they wouldn't let their kids have are going to, you know, come in the market. People have said for years when the boomers die off, there's going to be a massive introduction of wealth into the market that's been locked up in all these places for years. Bug, you've got to add to this. I have some of the most beautiful uh, traditional furniture in my home that I bought for pennies, pennies. We're talking about hundred year old meticulously kept furniture. Um, One, because a lot of these young people just want Ikea furniture. But two, I think a large part of it is probably what you said. I think they bequeathed it to no one. They stuck it away in storage and it just ended up on Facebook marketplace. These people who rummage through Mm -hmm. storage bins and whatnot. And they're like, I don't know what to do with a hundred year old sofa. That's in perfect condition that nobody wants because they want Ikea furniture. Yeah. You can have it for 15 bucks if you come pick it up. I mean, I pennies, man, pennies. Uh, I tell people that all the time. If you want like a beautiful classical looking home, start looking on Facebook market, man. Cause it's like 30 right. year old meticulously kept furniture for nothing. Even more recent stuff. I got my generator in Facebook marketplace. I got um, a whole bunch of stuff, uh, chest freezers, you name it all because, you know, kids came in, dad had all this stuff there. He had held up works perfectly fine. Nobody wanted it, so they sold it on Facebook Marketplace, and therefore yeah. I can got it for like twenty bucks. Dude, and it the, was maybe one hundred fifty. Boomers die. It's it's true, man. It, the, the market's <laughs> going to flood with this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Love it. So I got places to put a couple of steers and eight pigs and uh, about fifteen, sixteen sheep, and uh, wherever I got places to put all that. So, so Ryan's been given the responsibility. Mike, right. Mike's popping it back in. Mike around? No. Yeah, where'd you go? <laughs> I guess not. Where'd you go? Where'd you go, Mike? All right, hey, Mike! Are you, there he is. Are I'm you sorry. alive? New York City. I oh, had to take a bio yes. break. I'm sorry. I told Ryan to sign <laughs> off the show. <laughs> I did. I ran it, and there was like, okay, what's, what, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> this is the rundown. Thank you for joining us tonight. Bug, you can come back anytime. Please subscribe. And... Um, Check out Ryan's grift this week. Would you go to mediatrixpress.com? Would you do that? Would you please do that?